This is Contractor Sense with Ruth King. Welcome to Contractor Sense. Here you discover ideas, tactics, news, and information that matters to your contracting business and you. I'm your host, Ruth King. This episode is sponsored by HVAC Trustbooks. Go to HVACTrustbooks.com to discover how this tool can help you close more sales. Thank you for joining us. Here is how we will help your business and you today. What if you could love your work, secure your future, and find happiness for life? That's the promise from Ken Rusk, the author of Blue Collar Cash. Ken started his working life with a shovel in his hand, digging ditches. Realizing that digging ditches was not something he wanted to do for the rest of his life, he planned and eventually built a multi-million dollar business. Learn how he did it, how you can do it too, and his lessons learned along the journey. Ken, welcome to Contractor Sense. Oh, thank you, Ruth. I appreciate you having me. My pleasure. And I have to tell you how I found your book. I was browsing through one of my favorite things to do, i.e. Barnes and Noble. And this blue book, blue collar cash was just, you know, shouting at me, go buy this book. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) So I did. So I actually went to a bookstore. I didn't buy it on Amazon. And I literally got a hard copy of the book, paid for it, brought it home and read it. So Great. That's super. I I appreciate you uh, supporting the cause, as they say. Thank you for that. (laughs) Absolutely. So let's start with your story. I know it's in the book, but our listeners don't really know you for the most part. And just give them a little background. I know you started digging ditches. And how did it happen? Well, it's it's um, it's interesting because my high school was was uh, the property of my high school is connected by a fence to a industrial park. And um, after, after school, uh, my buddies and I would go hang out at the carryout. And in order to get to the carryout, we had to cut through this little um, hole in the fence that was, um, again, connected to this industrial park. So we would walk through there on our way to the carryout. And I always noticed these businesses that were in this, this area. And one business in particular, it always seemed to have a lot of energy, a lot of moving parts, a lot of, you know, things that young guys liked, like, you know, you know, dump trucks and bobcats and, you know, tow motors and all that kind of stuff. And so one day I just said, what do you guys do here? And uh, I was 15 and I needed to get, um, you know, spending money for uh, eventually getting uh, my first car and, you know, trying to take my girlfriend out for pizza and stuff like that. And so, yeah, they said, this is what we do. We, we actually, we, we repair old foundations, which requires us to do a lot of digging. And, and I was young and I thought, yeah, I can do that. So I entered that company and um, worked in production, uh, doing that type of work for quite a while. And then in the summer times, I would do that. In the winter times, I would go into the office because I could only work part time because of school. And I just kind of grew within the company, and uh, I, I could see where I could kind of control my own destiny there. So I just kind of hung around, and it's been a lot of years later. I'm still doing the same thing. So, yeah, the interesting part about it is that you actually took the initiative to to knock on their door. What prompted you to do that other than needing money for your car? You know, I always liked, I don't know where this came from, but I almost, I always kind of liked to be in control of my own world. And, 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 um, you know, I knew that, um, you know, my, my father was, was, he was a a Marine and he was a pretty hardcore guy. And and we loved him for that because, you know, we were kind of independent that way. I have four brothers and, and when, as soon as we were able to, we had to fend for ourselves, in other words. So for me, 
it, it was kind of nice to, to go in and just say, okay, what's the possibilities here and, and what can I take advantage of? And it worked out pretty well. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So when did the entrepreneurial bug bite? Well, that, that was pretty early on because I, I, I figured out pretty quickly that the harder I worked, the more money I could make. In other words, I could control my input and then therefore I could control my output. And I thought this is a beautiful thing because um, I wasn't kind of um, shackled by a, a, certain, a certain normal uh, way to work. And the, the harder I worked, the, the more I was able to earn, the more bonuses I was able to earn. And um, that just translated into more money, which translated into you know, bigger visions that I had for my immediate future. And that just kind of created the fuel that drove that going forward. Yeah, but at some point in time, the more you work stops with revenue and you know, the more you can earn because at some point in time, there is a limit. And so taking the entrepreneurial jump and the entrepreneurial dive, so to speak, means that you're going to work hard in the beginning, but in, in, at some point in time, the business will grow as it did for you, where you're not working in the field, you're not digging ditches. So that's a transition too. Yeah, it is. And, and I, think, I think everyone has to, has to kind of measure that. You know, um, the, the beautiful part about uh, doing something with your hands, especially these days is there's so few people willing to do it anymore that you can kind of name your own ticket as you, as you go through. And, you know, I can tell you, at least for me, um, when, when I first started, uh, in, in my own business, we were still writing things down on graph paper as far as <laughs> with pencils and <laughs> using calculators and all that kind of stuff. Wait a minute. You had a calculator. I started with a slide rule. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things that's embarrassing to admit almost, but nowadays it seems like you can run a business with your cell phone and a pickup truck. So, I mean, it's, it's crazy how easy it is and how a lot of those barriers to entry have been removed. So, you know, I, when I coach people, I talk a lot about the fact that, you know, I think the entrepreneurial characteristics are within every one of us. We just have to have a reason to get them out. Um, we just have to wake them up. So, yeah, I, I think, I think you can do really well, you know, within your own person. Um, and then when it gets to the point of, I want to get beyond that, that's when you start to maybe think entrepreneurially and, and grow and hire some people and, you know, double your uh, double, triple and quadruple your ability to earn revenue. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I think the first chapter in the book, it's either the first or second, I can't remember which, was um, the power of your mind. How do you see yourself? And I can't remember whether that was first or your story was first. But anyway, you know, it really and truly is, how do you see yourself? I mean, even if you're going to be working from, you know, for somebody else, you can still be entrepreneurial. It's, it's really funny you say that because I talked to, uh, um, I, I was uh, honored to have Tom Galassano from Paychecks um, write a, a little story about my book. And um, I, I read his book as well. And one of the great things that he talks about is entrepreneurial employees. And, and those are the people that you can, you can find a way to, um, to create a culture in your company where they feel as though they're in control of their own destiny as well. And they feel like they're mini owners in a sense. Um, even without the title, uh, they still feel like they can create what they want for themselves. And whether you are an entrepreneurial employee or you're you know, a, an entrepreneur for yourself, 
I think you can create some of the same great things for yourself as long as you have the vision that it takes. And I, I think that's really important, Ruth, that everybody understand that not all visions are the same. I, I have people draw crayon drawings of those things when they come to work so we can understand what they're after and then help them go get it. They're not all going to be the same, but what's really important is that they, they recognize that your level of comfort, peace, and freedom is solely your own. Nobody can tell you um, what it should be or what it's supposed to look like but you. And uh, if you focus on that, I think uh, the law of attraction allows these things to come to you. Yeah, I love the crayon examples. And, and one of the things that went through my mind, explain the crayon example first, and then I'll well, ask my question. <laughs> well, you know, for me, I, I, I became almost an involuntary life coach because, you know, we have 200 people on our staff and it, it takes it takes a lot to keep that staff moving, especially over a 40 year period of time. So we, we ended up creating this little um, exercise where we get people really super involved in their personal goals. And then we try to back them up on that so, so that we make sure that they hit them. Because I've always said that I can't get what I want, nor can my company get what it wants or needs until all of you get what you want first. So one of the things we do is we have them actually take out a big piece of paper and we hand them a box of crayons and we say, draw what you want your life to look like in as finite a detail as you possibly can. You know, things like, are you a house person, a condo person, or apartment in the city person? Are you uh, living in, 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 on a farm in, in, in rural America? Um, are you a pickup truck person or a minivan person or a motorcycle person or an electric car person? Are you a, a dog or a cat person? And if so, what would you name it? And we try to get them really, really detailed. What are your hobbies? What are your charity moments? What are your, um, uh, your, your spirituality, the whole thing? And we try to get people to understand that they are in control of this vision and this picture. And if they draw it really clearly, it will happen for them as long as it's, again, front loaded in their mind. Yep, absolutely. Okay. When we get back from break, I'm going to ask my question. Thank you for listening to Contractor Sense. We will be right back. You can't. That's what my daughter Kate told me when I said I wanted to make financials fun. The gauntlet was laid down. The red blanket was waved in front of the bowl. Ronin the Rubber Duck was born. This ebook is a whimsical look at financials from a duck's perspective. To get this fun, easy to read, Kindle book, go to Amazon and search for Ronan the Rubber Duck Dives into Financials. That's R-O-N-A-N, the Rubber Duck Dives into Financials. Let me know if I made financials fun for you. Do you ever have warranty leak issues? One of Ruth King's clients did about four years ago. Thousands of dollars in expense and unhappy customers. She solved this problem for him though. How? With a leak letter that every customer must sign when the service technician discovers a refrigerant leak. Once they implemented the letter, there were no more warranty leak headaches. No warranty leak callbacks. Happier customers. The surprising result was more replacement sales, too. To get a copy of the leak letter for free, just send Ruth an email at ruthking at hvacchannel.tv. That's ruthking at hvacchannel.tv. We're back. Thanks for listening to Contractor Sense. I'm here talking with Ken Rusk, the author of Blue Collar Cash. And Ken, before we get started, where can somebody get Blue Collar Cash? Well, you can get it um, on Amazon, you can get it on uh, Apple Books, you can get it at Barnes and Nobles. Um, they've uh, featured me there, which is really nice. And um, you can get it on Indie Books as well. So don't forget to support your local, your local bookstores and uh, pretty much anywhere books are sold, as they say. Thanks. And it's a great book, so please read it. 
All right. So here's my question. You have a young 21, 22 year old, maybe 18, 19 year old coming into your company for, for, for the first time. How detailed of a picture can they actually draw? Well, you know, the, the best part about this is it, it, it starts out with kind of like the frame of a puzzle. If you've ever built a puzzle, you know, everyone starts with the square edges first and then they kind of work towards the middle. So we just kind of get them thinking along those lines, because what happens is either A, they pretty much know what they want their life to look like. I mean, based on their, um, you know, especially with the information flow that everybody has these days with, with, you know, all the things that you can get information from. But we start with um, their ability to kind of think about what they want that to look like. And if they struggle then we start with very small things because two things happen. You can work from the outside in or you can work from the inside out. And, and we've had success both ways. We've had some people say, you know, I really don't know. I, I, I just wanna, I guess my first goal would be to get some transportation. And okay, so what does that look like? Well, I want this type of car and I wanna spend this much money and I need to save this much money. And okay, how much do you have for a down payment? And how long will it take you to get that? And we post that up so everybody else can see it. So now, you know, he shared his goal with, with the rest of the group and, um, and or, or, or she has shared her goal with the rest of the group. And now there's this group mentality, this group accountability towards getting that. As soon as they hit one or two of these, the rest of their life vision just kind of opens up for them, which is just awesome. Yeah, because once you do it once or twice, as you say, then they say, okay, I can do this. Now, what do I really want? And, right. and I think that probably sometimes takes a couple of years to your late 20s, um, early 30s, maybe. But well, it, it does. And, and the other thing is we try to do the whole rounded scenario. I mean, we get them we get them in our 401k program really quickly so that they can, they, they, we call them blue collar millionaires. You know what I mean? So yeah. we, kind of, we kind of get them involved in those things really quickly so that they can build their base because the more questions that you answer for them early on, the more creativity that they have, the more spontaneity that they have, because now they can think better without all this burden on their shoulders. So yeah. again, try to try to get the easy things out of the way with these people first, and then allow them just to really thrive uh, from that point forward. Yeah, one of the chapters in the book, I think was um, start early and save. And I, you live that life. I mean, start now, start when you're 22. It's a lot easier than starting when you're 52. I have no idea why they don't teach this in high school. I, I, I swear to you, I, 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 it's, it's such a simple concept. Um, the value of young money and, and the value of young money over time, it's insane compared to when you try to do it when you're 30 or 35 or 40 or 45. I mean, the amount of money you need to save and the, and the time loss that you have is such a burden when you're in your, in, in your midlife to try to save for retirement. You can literally put 60 bucks a week away when you're 21 or two and stop saving 10 years later and you'll have over a million dollars in your 401k when you retire. I, I don't know why everybody doesn't shout that from the rooftops when it taught when they talk about young people. Yeah, I agree. They don't teach it in school. They probably should teach it in high school, along with a few other things about money. Yes. <laughs> you and me yes. both are on the same page about that. You got it. So anyway, all right. One of the things I really like is you talk about giving and getting and keeping to give. Now you do that a lot with your employees, helping them get where they want, but you also do other things, right? Yeah. You know, it's, it's fun for, for me, you know, uh, the, 
I've done a lot of things with a lot of different charities and we like to keep the stuff um, that we do kind of local so we can see the impact of it. You know, the, the best part about a charity is not writing a check and feeling good about it. The best part about a, cha a charity is, is to see the results that, that you're getting from, from what you're doing. So we do a lot of local stuff and we also do things like make a wish and that kind of thing, which we've done for years and years and years. And um, in fact, I give some of the proceeds from my book to make a wish so we can fund more wishes than we do normally. Uh, but I think, I think the amazing part of that is once, you, once you've gone to a Ronald McDonald house and cooked a meal for a family whose, whose child is across the street in a hospital suffering, once you've done that, it just creates a whole new you. And it, and it creates a whole new to whom much is given, much is expected kind of mentality. And I can tell you, you, you never want to do charity because you think you're going to gain from it. You never want to do that. However, what I've noticed is the more we've done it, the more things just seem to come to us. And I don't know what that is. I don't know if that's karma or what power that is, but it allows you to do more. And um, all I can say is get involved in those types of things. It'll, it'll help you to do more of it. And um, that's a really cool thing. Yeah, absolutely. I had one of, the, one of my clients had a job that went phenomenally well. I mean, like Murphy went to sleep. Everything went perfect. It took less time. <laughs> Material cost wasn't as much. And he ended up with a really huge net profit, i.e. and turned it into cash, i.e. got his receivable. And he gave a huge donation to his favorite charity. Yeah. And it's it was local also. And I looked at him and I said, you finally get it. And he goes, what? And I said, the more you earn, the more you can give away. And it just totally changed the way he looked at the world. And he continues yeah. to do it now. And I think it's cool. Well, well and the other thing is, I, I think people also wait until I got all this extra money to give things away. And, and that's fine because, again, we should do that. I just also want to mention, though, you know, again, to use the example that we just used at Ronald McDonald House, you can spend about $14 of your own money and go make them a spaghetti dinner and a salad and put that in the refrigerator for them to eat when they get home. And they're so appreciative of it. And you have a good time with your friends doing it. It doesn't cost you a lot of money. And you walk out of there with, with a really nice, um, a really nice, almost high feeling of something that you've accomplished. And so I would encourage people to give of their time or, or very little money, just get involved in something. It will help you in, in, in spades, I guarantee you. Yeah. All right, final thoughts for the audience. You know, it's, it's, it's an interesting question I get a lot. So I'll throw this one out to you. People always ask me, who's supposed to read this book? Well, th there's actually three different people that can read it. First off, if you're a parent or a grandparent or uh, aunt or uncle or a mentor of somebody that you think should know this information, I've heard a lot of great feedback of people where they bought the book and then they read it and then they gave it to that young person and they read it and then they talked about it afterwards. That's been unbelievably cool feedback. Um, the second person that should read this is, uh, let's assume that you went to college and you went, you're in one of these um, cubicles on the 15th floor and, and that's just not for you. And you wanna, you wanna transition back over to a blue collar career. This book can help you think about how to get that done. Okay. And then finally, if you're a small business owner and you wanna build some really cool long-term loyal employees um, who can think for themselves and, and, and create goals for themselves and be self-managing, this is kind of a group think book to have. You read it um, as a group and you talk about it and um, you'll see some amazing results. In, in my office, people pushed me further than I, I ever could take the company myself 
And um, it was a result of a lot of the things that we discussed. So yeah. Ken, thank you so much. The book is Blue Collar Cash. I bought it at Barnes & Noble, but you can get it on Amazon and independent stores and, and every, any place that books are available. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Ruth. I appreciate you having me on today. My pleasure. And good luck with the book. <laughs> Great. Thanks as well. I appreciate that. And thank you for joining us. Choose one thing that you discovered and implement in your business. These ideas, tactics, and strategies help you make more money, have more free time, and give back. If you like today's program, spread the word. Please review this podcast on any device you're listening to it on. Help a fellow contractor make more money too. For comments or questions, call me at 770-729-0258 or email Ruth King at hvacchannel.tv. Thanks for listening. Have a great and profitable day.